Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Voices of Social Change. My name is Josh Shookman, and this is the podcast where we share the stories of social entrepreneurs and the movements they create. So whether you're an aspiring change agent or a cause-based leader, this is the podcast dedicated to you, where we get you the resources and the tools you need to create business that makes a dollar and a difference. Hey again, and welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Real quick, before we break into our interview, just want to highlight, if you're not already a part of the community at Social Change Nation, please come join us there. It's Social Change Nation that puts on this podcast, and this podcast really represents the heart of Social Change Nation. Our our heartbeat of our movement is really this podcast where we share these stories, but our overall goal is to build a community of social entrepreneurs and change agents. That's what we're all about at Social Change Nation, and we want you to become a part of that. This movement is really your movement, and we want you to become engaged and to join these stories, to comment on these podcasts, to keep up with us. And the best way to do that is to run to socialchangenation.com, and you can link up with us, sign up. I will send you a newsletter. We do that two times a month. Uh, We certainly don't inundate you with, with things up here but we do try to keep you up to date in terms of what's going on with cause-based business, social entrepreneurship, and keep that conversation going and make sure we get you the tools and the resources you need as you're either building your movement or working toward building your movement. As a bonus, when you sign on as well, uh, we will give you a totally free gift, a guide we've created, the 10 keys to building a successful cause-based business. These are lessons we've learned interviewing social entrepreneurs from all over the world. Again, that's yours for free. I just sign on and we don't inundate you. It's just a matter of signing on. It allows us to keep you up to date in terms of what's going on in the Social Change Nation community and what's going on with this podcast at at Voices of Social Change. Also allows you, by the way, to join the conversation. We do this podcast as a conversational component. We want you to be a part of it. We want you to come in and comment on the podcast we do and let us know if there are other movement leaders that you think we should interview. If you would like to be interviewed, we would love to share your story. Again, this is a community. Everything that we do at Voices of Social Change with the podcast and at Social Change Nation, again, our website, socialchangenation.com, everything we do is designed, dedicated to building that community. And so we want you to become a part of it. Easiest way to do that is run to socialchangenation.com and you'll see how to link up with us. Also, you can see all of our old podcast episodes, listen in to any topics that interest you and, and feel free to comment and again, join that conversation. So we'd love to have you as part of that. Okay, without further ado, let's go ahead and tune in for today's interview. Well, howdy, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Social Biz Showcase Podcast, broadcasting proudly from the Kansas City Startup Village. We've got an awesome perspective coming at us here in Change Nation today. I'm here with Bobby Calvillo. Uh, he is the Executive Director of Affordable Homes of South Texas, and they have a very unique hybrid form of a nonprofit. Um, here's just a little bit about his organization. For over 38 years now, Affordable Homes of South Texas, it's a community-based nonprofit organization, and they've placed thousands of families in affordable homes 
enhancing the quality of life of eligible families in the Rio Grande Valley. And, and like I mentioned, they have a really interesting hybrid model. I actually just randomly read about in Entrepreneur Magazine, loved the story, and really, really wanted to talk to Bobby and his team out there about it because they have this hybrid approach that actually involves a blimpy Subway sandwich shop, <laughs> which I think is really cool. I won't tell you much more about that. I will let Bobby take it away and tell you his story in his own words. Um, so, Bobby, we have you here. Glad to have you here. Thank you for coming on. Why don't you start us off and just tell us a little bit about you personally, because we do, know, do want to know you, and then talk to us about Affordable Homes of South Texas and specifically the Blimpy Partnership. Okay, sure. Uh, well, Josh, thanks for having me. Um, I, I've, I've been with the organization now 18 years, so uh, prior to that, I was a, uh, I was a banker in the local, local community, um, so I was 14 years at the bank and 18 years here, so I've, I've I've converted, as I joke with people. Um, and so the, the organization I knew of when I was working at the bank, it, it had a great reputation in the community. And so I jumped at the opportunity to, to, to join. Um, and and uh, we've done we've done some, some great things with some great folks. So we're, right now we have about 50-something employees, about 52 employees. Um, we are essentially a subdivision developer, a builder, and a mortgage company, um, exclusively for low-income families, in, in our area, in our in the city of McAllen and in the county, um, we uh, so as it as it infers, we develop a subdivision, we we build all the homes in those subdivisions, and, and then we finance the, the homes themselves, including the servicing for the next 20, 30 years, whatever the term of the mortgage is. Um, and so during the throughout the years, uh, oh, and so the, the final part of it is, which I think is important, is. Um, in those three roles that we do, and there's other activities that relate to that, home buyer education, things of that nature, but um, we're, we're, our production volume currently is about 100 and 150 homes per year that we develop and we finance. So it's, it's a tremendous capital need. And, and as we all know, federal grants uh, are, are difficult to get, and that's primarily what we're depending on. Um, the uh, Philanthropic community is a little tougher these days as well, given the economy and things of that nature. So we had to be a little, be a little bit more creative in how we generate revenue for the purposes of, of our mission, to get people into houses. And just to give you an example, two years ago, our county gave us a million dollars to go build some houses, which isn't a whole lot of money, but a million dollars is a million dollars. This past year, they, they awarded us $100,000. So that's just an indication of the drop in the revenue in the, in the grant sources that we have, and so we we uh, we have two offices uh, uh, in one in McAllen, which I'm, I'm in, and then in a smaller community about 20 miles away, still within the county, uh, the city of Wasico, and in that community and, and as in the community here, we we own the buildings that we that we office out of. Um, and in the Westlake office, there was some lease space that we had that we owned, um, simply because we bought the entire little corner corner building. Um, we had some tenants in there, mom and pop, who were really nice people, but they just they 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 just didn't manage their business very well, and so mutually agreed that they would vacate the area, vac vacate the, 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 the suites. And um, they moved on, and so we had an empty building trying to figure out, what do we do next? And so as I was there one, one day, um, 
around the corner, I realized there's this 400 student nursing school um, that's just around the corner from our office. And it was around noon, around lunchtime, and there was this mass of, of students getting in their cars uh, driving. And I said, where in the world are they going? So being the snoop that I am, I followed them. <laughs> and uh, there's a, uh, several of them drove about a half a mile away to a subway shop. And the, the the place was packed. There was, you know, people waiting outside. It was just horrible. And so I just I went in and said, I need to eat lunch anyway. So I stood in line and overheard their conversations a little bit. And, and basically they were complaining that they only had 30 minutes for lunch. And with this line, they weren't going to make it through. And so I just started up a conversation with one, one of the students. And I said, you know, we own the building next door to you guys. Would, would, would it be of interest to you if we got a subway or somebody in, in our space? And, of course, they thought, oh, yes, it would be great. We'd be there every day, et cetera, et cetera. And so that started the ball rolling. Um, so essentially what I did is I contacted three different franchises, and I said, we have space. Would you be interested in, in locating a store here? And basically they realized, well, I'm talking to a nonprofit. They, you know, they don't know what they're talking about anyway. Um, the, the the area that we're in, it's a small community, about 100, well, not even 100,000, probably about 75,000 people in that community, and it's in the downtown area. And we, we know, we have, most of us know that the downtown areas are, are, in some cases, not as vibrant as they used to be, which is the case in Westaco. And so, long story short, I, after they, they kind of, you know, ignored me, I said, well, I don't need them. I'll, I'll do it myself. And so I, I actually talked with the area developer of Blimpy, um, and he is he, he he his office is in San Antonio, which is about four hours away from us. And talked a little bit about it. And he said, "Well, you don't need to get you don't need to get uh, a franchisee. Why don't you become the franchisee?" And so basically, that's where we started. Um, the um, it was a difficult process. We we did a lot of research. Um, you know, I'm a, I have a banking background, so I was crunching numbers. And we have a real estate division within our organization, so he did all of the projections and the ring analysis that the that, that the businesses do to determine, you know, how many how many folks are in the area that would be looking for lunch op- options and things of that nature, in addition to the students. And so the we started the process. The uh, the most difficult process of it all was, uh, and not, nothing against uh, Blimpy, the Blimpy brand because they were amazing to work with, but it was new to them because it was a nonprofit that was trying to be a franchisee. And one, for example, one of the requirements is that there be a personal guarantee from uh, from the franchisee. Well, as I as I tried explaining to their lawyers several times. We're a nonprofit. There is no owners. Um, and they said, well, why don't you sign? Well, I said, I'd be happy to sign, but, you know, I'm an employee. I could get terminated tomorrow, and my signature is still there. And so it took a long time to work through those issues and how do we overcome that uh, requirement. And so finally we just, you know, we said, well, we'll, we'll put a CD up, a uh, $25,000 CD, and maybe that will satisfy the requirement, and after a little while of negotiating, we did, and, and so that that was a final hurdle that got us started. Uh, we opened um, June of last year, so a little over a year that we've been operating, 
we hired some really amazing people. Um, I had no idea what it meant to run a, a restaurant. So instead of looking at lumber prices and, you know, uh, mortgage rates and things of that nature, I was looking at meat slicers and lettuce slicers and, um, you know, the cost of, uh, of, uh, of bread and, and our food costs and things of that nature, which is completely different than anything we've ever done. Fortunately, we hired some smart people and, and who already had experience. And, and so essentially the way I run it today is it's, it's another division of our organization. Um, just like the accounting guy, I don't get in, I don't um, micromanage the accounting division because I've got a guy who knows, I, knows what he's doing and, you know, I'll oversee them, but, but they, they do their own thing, just like the construction department or the, the subdivision development people. Um, and so I spend probably an hour a day, as I do with every division within the organization, just kind of checking in, what's going on, what do I need to work on, uh, those type of things. And I, I try to visit the store once or twice a week um, and get the feel for what's going on and, and, and those type of things. So um, that's where we're at. It's, it's been a great experience, and I really I think it's, it's a great uh, it's a great addition to our our organization. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like I said at the beginning, I, I just I absolutely love this story, and and I want to sit here for just a few more minutes because. Bobby, you, you've just thrown out some really tremendous insights for the audience of Social Change Nation, and I really want to latch on to a few of those things. Usually, as, as Change Nation knows, I, I start out with kind of talking about some inspirational mantras and that kind of thing, and we'll get to that, but I, I want to flip my format a little bit because I think you've just thrown out so many points that were, were key here that I want to keep digging into. The, the first few things that I, I really love, and I think this is a lesson for a, a lot of folks out there in the nonprofit space, it sounds to me that this is one thing that drew me into the story. You guys looked at what you were good at and the natural tools that you had. You had that building. It was in a good location. You also had a, a real estate department. That was an area that you were skilled in, that you had experiences in, and, and, and then latched onto that. So I wonder if you'd talk a little bit more about how how you saw the, the tools that you had really helping you as you established essentially a for-profit franchise to generate revenue for a nonprofit. Is that the general idea? Yeah, it's multiple, multiple concepts, but, but yeah, obviously the, the initial sell, if you will, is as a way to generate additional revenue, but it's also downtown redevelopment, uh, economic development, uh, employment opportunities, workforce development. All of those things are, are the intangibles that that in addition to hopefully some revenue generation, uh, we, would, we would be adding without, without question. Um, but as it relates to the organization, that, that's a great question too because I think um, one of the problems that Blimpy had was they thought, well, this is it's just a nonprofit. They don't really know how to run a business. But what most people don't understand, and I'm, I'm sure you and your audience know this, is nonprofits are businesses. Um, and so, for example, you know, one of the things about running any business, whether it be a restaurant or, or, or anything else, you need accounting folks, right? I mean, you need to be able to account for the money coming in, the money going out, uh, are you making money, uh, what's, the, what's, what's the cost of those items, and, and what's the margin, those type of things. Well, we have accounting folks. You have a, a, a POS system that you need, to, a cash register, so to speak, that you need, um, and in today's world, you need, you need Internet access and all those other things. So we have IT people in, on staff. Um, we have a legal a lawyer that works for us. He's, he's an on-staff 
uh, in-house counsel. So when we were dealing with the lawyers, he was able to work through that too. Our construction guys did the build-out for for the restaurant because there were specific specifications that we had to follow to meet the Blimpy, uh, Blimpy brand. And, and so we our guys did that. Um, and the final thing, of course, is marketing. Um, uh, we have we don't do marketing in the, in the traditional sense as a nonprofit. We don't do traditional marketing, but we had um, activities that required some some traditional marketing. And so we had somebody on staff who had a marketing degree, and so she she knows how to use the publisher and all of the other uh, graphic uh, graphic things that are required. Had some internet experience, so she designed the website. Um, we have we have for example. Um, we, we produce flyers that are distributed all over the place, and, and, and people think that it comes from Blimpy Corporate. So tying back all of the, the different divisions that we already have existing, it's just another activity that they do. Our accounting folks, for example, get the daily sales report. They do their their analysis. They plug it into their spreadsheet, and then they do the the construction work. Uh, you know, five minutes later. Yeah, and, and this is just, just, just really amazing. And, and once again, Bobby, you've just thrown out, I think, so many great insights for folks. A, a lot of folks that tune into Change Nation are in the nonprofit space. I have that background myself, and, and I can say from my own experience, that is a criticism. I don't know if you'd call it a criticism, but it is something that the business community says, you know, about the nonprofit community a lot of times is that, well, they don't necessarily know how to run a business. Business is business, and they should, should be separate. But you make a really great point there. A nonprofit is essentially a business. I mean, you have a lot of those tools and those those mechanisms in place that really made this a good fit. But I think the key is too that you found something that, you know, it wouldn't have been anything that would have worked. But this fit your model so perfectly because you have the building, you have the resources to build it out. But also, I love this element of the 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 Blimpy kind of restoring that community and, and getting those those folks staying there as opposed to driving right. to, to find their, their restaurant. And, and this community building aspect not only is, is, is really, really awesome, it also seems to tie very much back into your mission. And so that's what I love is that from a practical standpoint, you had a lot of the tools in place to make this happen, but it also seems like it fit you all very well from a philosophical standpoint, too. Right. And I just want to highlight that because I think that's, that's a, a tremendous message for anyone who is in the nonprofit space looking at doing something like this. Make sure that you, you do have the practical tools in your organization, which a lot of times nonprofits, we have more of them than one might think on the outside, but also make sure that it lines up philosophically. And it sounds like those two, making sure that those two things match very well were a really good connection for, for you all out there, right. Bobby. Yeah, and if I could add to that, I think one of the sure. things that we discovered is that I had some pushback initially from my board um, as we as we began the conversation, primarily because of the two things you, you focused on. One is, um, is this, are we drifting from our mission? Um, you know, we're, we build houses and we put families into homes. Is that, what is a Blimpy sandwich shop has to do with that? Well, there's ties together. Uh, and and um, you know and that's just one aspect of what we do. We're also kind of a, a community developer, and this is a community development activity. Um, so so aside from the money side, this is tying back to our mission. And of course, back to the money side. If we don't have any money, we can't we can't build houses for families. We're, we're just going to be sitting around looking out the window, 
because we don't have any funds to, to build those homes or finance the houses for, for families. So if we don't find a revenue source, we won't, we won't be doing our mission. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think that that's another key point for for us in, in the nonprofit space is, is is viewing all of these things as, as interconnected and, and pieces that are coming together. And and I just think that, that you all exemplify how that can be done very well. And how did you then, when you you're meeting with your board and you're getting that feedback, how did you overcome that mentality, that question of mission drift? How did you kind of refocus that? Well, it it it, it wasn't a difficult. Uh proposition. Um, and I think from the mission perspective, they, they kind of got it. Um, they were okay with, with, after a couple of meetings, they were okay with, with you know, mi- mission drift, and, and they were really was tied together with what we're doing. Um, but the most difficult part was, was the, uh, the risk. Uh, you know, we, we invested $200,000 to start off with um, for the for the restaurant, for the for the build out and that type of thing, and so they were concerned about you know we all know small businesses that, that start up and fail within the you know first year or so and those that money's gone. Well, some of my board members are bankers, and you know I'm a recovering banker, so I know that there's 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 you know bankers aren't the most risk uh, aren't aren't they're more they're, they're the most risk averse people that I know, and um, Many of those had lost um, lost money on investments with res- with restaurants uh, through their bank, and so they're very nervous about that aspect of it. I, I think the the mission drift they they got they they after a little while they understood it, but it was mainly the financial risk that, that I had to overcome, and so we did projections upon projections and modified those and came back and and, and fortunately our real estate guy had. Uh, has has done some analysis for other people uh, starting small businesses, and so he was able to address some of that uh, in-house as well. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, so there again, using some of the tools that you had, some of the, I shouldn't say tools, some of the people that you had in your organization that had skills and knowledge in this area right. to, to build that up. Yeah, and I, I think that's, again, I just want to really highlight that piece of insight that you're sharing with us today. You know, a lot of times I, I don't think we might realize fully all of the unique talents and skills that we, we have on our team that could tie into something like this. I mean, certainly we realize what we have in terms of, of the nonprofit and our central uh, services, but, you know, bringing in something like this that is, is, is very creative a lot of times kind of requires some outside-the-box thinking in terms of how the talents that our team has can be applied. And, and I love that, that element because I think that's really important when you're pursuing kind of a hybrid approach like this. Right. So, yeah, it's terrific stuff. So we, we've kind of talked a little bit about this, but I want to I dig in a little bit more to the mechanics of it and to the extent that you're comfortable sharing. Um, so, you know, I talk to a lot of different kinds of organizations. I talk to a lot of nonprofits. I talk to a lot of for-profit social enterprise. And then I've been really trying to focus a lot lately, too, on, on kind of hybrid uh, relationships, which it sounds like that's what you have going here. So can you talk to us specifically? You talked a bit, but kind of dig into... What is the technical structure of that? In other words, how do you kind of run this for-profit separately and fit it back into the nonprofit? And then secondly, how successful have you seen this being overall for you? We're about, what you say we're about a year out now? Right, maybe, since yeah. Then. So how, 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 looking back over the year, how successful have you seen this uh, hybrid 
approach working for you all? Okay, so uh, on the on the structured portion of it, um, our Blimpy franchise is owned by an LLC that we own. Named uh, the name of that LLC is Esperanza on Fifth, and Esperanza on in uh, in Spanish means hope, and the restaurant is located on Fifth Street. So we hope that this activity on Fifth Street works. <laughs> is it where the name came from? Um, so Esperanza on Fifth is is the is the owner of the franchise. Um, we have a a a, a, uh, a, a Esperanza on Fifth is underneath another for profit entity that we created called Tucasa Investments. And Tucasa Investments is a for profit C corporation that is 100% owned by Affordable Homes of South Texas, the 501c3. So there's there's three layers: Affordable Homes, Tucasa Investments, and Esperanza on Fifth. We did that for several reasons. One, there are other activities that are added under our for-profit C corporation. So we have other LLCs that are doing different things on a for-profit basis that report to the for-profit corporation. So, for example, we have our real estate. Uh, we have a real estate company. The real estate division is uh, the real estate company is under Tucasa Investments, is a sister organization to Esperanza on Fifth. Uh, we have a, a mortgage company that we own, uh, a construction business that we own, um, and other activities that may come around or, or may may develop that are that we're thinking about that would all be under the the C corporation. All of those, hopefully, all of those entities will generate some revenue and will go back to the C corporation, who will provide that funding to the nonprofit, hopefully at some point. Okay. Okay, and then and then speaking of that again, to the extent that you're comfortable sharing, what does that look like now in terms of time frame for returning money back to the nonprofit? How has that okay. been looking? Well, as it, specifically as it relates to the Blippi franchise and Esperanza on Fifth, um, I'll, I'll tell you that one of the things that I learned is I have no clue how to run a restaurant. <laughs> uh, the our, the project the sales projections that we projected were right on target. I mean, we were within two three, two or three thousand dollars. Of what we projected, and actually it was two thousand, two or three thousand dollars over what we projected. Where we messed up on was on the on the expenses. We had no no idea um, what we were doing essentially, and so we had projected a twenty thousand um, dollar profit year one, which was very aggressive apparently, um, and we basically broke even for the first year, um, which is great. I mean, you know, we didn't lose significant amount of money, so that's that's great. But even if we lost a little bit of money, I think the the exposure that, that the organization has received, that the well, the the community has accepted this franchise incredibly. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that, that we we do is is our in our in our marketing, we we our tagline is "Great food for a great cause," and so the community is realizes that uh, whatever profit is made is going back to the community. It's not going into somebody's pocket. And so they really, they really enjoy that. We've had several people that say, "Well, we we're going to go to to this other sandwich shop to get our, our catering, but we went to you guys because we know it's coming back to the community." Yeah, yeah, and I, I think what you've just shared is is really incredible and, and tremendously important for the folks listening. And in the first place, I just would like to say, I'm, I'm no expert on restaurants either, but from what I've heard, for any restaurant, if you're breaking even in the first year, you're actually doing really, really well. Yeah, right. um, so I, I just want to highlight that. I think that's amazing that you've done that. If you can tell my bankers, that would be great. 
<laughs> yeah, so that sounds good. Get, get, give me their number. I'll give them a shout. <laughs> uh, or I'll have I'll have my my community reach out to them. There. Um, there you go, Change Nation. You, you can reach out to Bobby's bankers. Let them know you think it's great. Um, anyway, but so I think that that is huge. But the, the second piece, and, and really for for my listeners, a, a huge piece too, is this idea. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I often talk about for businesses, you know, baking this social cause into their mission, which is kind of ironic in this case because you are actually baking bread. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but you know, you talked about how you you've literally baked your mission into your franchise, and that has made a difference. So I wonder if you just unpack that a little bit more. You shared some stories about businesses that have come to you specifically for that social cause. Talk to me about some, some meetings you've had with your team in terms of strategizing about different ways. What, in other words, what are some of the different strategies you've pursued to let people know that are walking into that blimpy that, hey, there's something unique about this place? Well, there's, there's several things that we've done, and, and um, I think there's a lot of things we could do um, if we only had the time. Um, but for example, just as you walk in, uh, um, there's posters that are along the walls that talk about, you know, the, the featured sandwich of the day is this, or the, you know, the the turkey and the turkey sandwich is this is what it looks like, and you know, promotional stuff that, that Blimpy puts out. Well, we reserve one of those poster size uh, things when you walk in to talk about affordable homes and the purpose of the Blimpy. So the fact that all the funds that are generated go back to the nonprofit, and and, and pictures of the family of a family that we help, you know, with the kids playing in the front yard, all that stuff, kind of the, so they can actually visualize, um, you know, when they're making that, that paying for that sandwich, that some of that money is going back to help a family that looks just like that. Um, the the table toppers that you see on restaurants, um, they Blimpy has their own, and we we put those out. The, you know the, the standard uh, seasonal promotion of what, whatever they're promoting at that time, but we have right next to it our own that talk about the same thing that the poster does, but on a more visual basis, and it, it shows the the Esperanza on Fifth going back to affordable homes and then to the family and and and, and those type of things. So it, when you walk into the restaurant, you you'll see it. Out of the community, we we've done a lot of. Um, uh, Outreach uh, as part of our normal activities to local government, governmental agencies, the cities, for example. Um, you know, we're we're your affordable housing provider. We're here. Um, we we're not asking for anything. You know, this is what we're doing in your community, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, of course, we say, and by the way, um, you know, we have we have a, a Blimpy franchise, and we know you guys have meetings all the time. You're going to feed them at some point. Um, you're, you'll be helping helping us uh, and helping the community by ordering this platter of sliders from Blimpy versus the other guys. Um, and, and to give you an example, um, there was a, an RV park um, here in, in, in Westaco that um, they were having a retirement party for somebody that was retiring. It was this huge gathering. It was like 400 people that were, that were attending. And so the, the ladies that were organizing it called every sub, every sandwich shop in, in the area, and um, uh, and the prices were almost identical. I mean, there was no differences in prices. And she came to our store um, 
by accident. She didn't, when we first started up, of course she did the yellow page thing and we weren't listed in the yellow pages because we were brand new. And so she found us by accident and walked in and enjoyed her sandwich and talked to the manager and says, well, I didn't know you guys were here. This is what we're doing. Can you give us prices? And right off the bat, we were right in the same range with the subways and the Quiznos and everybody else. Um, but then she saw the table topper that talked about the relationship. And she said, right there, I, I put away the price comparisons, and, and, and she said, this is where we're going to go. And so our first catering order was for 400 people um, as a result of that, uh, that accidental drive-by that she did. Um, and, uh, and she said, the whole, the whole reason why we went with you guys, not because of price, but because you're giving back to the community that we love. And so it worked out great. Wow. Wow. I, I, I'm floored by that personally. And, and, and Change Nation, I hope as you're listening to this, you are too. Because I think this is just such a tremendous and important message that, that Bobby is sharing with us here. Number one, just practically how you can weave your cause story into your project whether that is a, a for-profit organization, non-profit organization, weaving that story. People respond to stories right. and weaving that story into what you do. Uh, what Bobby is telling us here, the story he's just shared, shows beyond a shadow of a doubt how important that is and, and, and why that's important. And, and I love, and I think this is a message specifically for any of the folks out there running a for-profit social venture. If, if you are in a space where there are a lot of similar products, you can oftentimes build additional, if you can't, you know, if the prices are similar, you can build additional value on your cause. And a lot of times even what we're seeing is that actually allows some companies to charge more because they have that cause and they've weaved it in very well. Now, you have to be genuine with that. But if you are genuine and, and you're weaving that in, you know, Bobby is giving us a very clear example of how and why that can, at kind of a secondary level, also make a difference in terms of, of revenue and, and, and make the decision for somebody who really values that community component. And by the way, a lot of people now, especially us millennials, really do value that and prioritize right. that. And so it's important to, to respond to that. So yeah, love that, that message. I think that's just hugely valuable, Bobby, and just... Really an awesome story. I really love love what y'all are up to and, and the way you're doing things. I know I've said that several times, but just, <laughs> just can't say it enough. Josh, can I add one more story to that? Yeah, please, um, please. One of the things that we, we've done also is we, we added um, in the Blimpy store a, a kiosk, an application kiosk. So people that are looking for housing assistance can apply online. Uh, it's just a standalone kiosk that's in the corner of the restaurant. We had an individual that uh, in our office next door to the restaurant uh, during tax season, we also provide uh, free income tax services. Vita, Vita, we're a Vita site, um, volunteer income tax assistance program. And so we get a lot of folks that come through uh, to get their tax, taxes done by our volunteers. And, and so we had one individual that come, came through. It was, a, it was an older couple. And um, they got their taxes done. They said, well, we haven't eaten. We'll go next door and... and um, and get a bite to eat. So they, they came into the restaurant and, and uh, had their meal. And as they were leaving, they saw the, the, the kiosk. And they said, well, you know, we got the taxes. We got our taxes done next door. We could have applied there, but here's an application kiosk. It's easier. We'll just do it. And so they did. So the interesting thing is that uh, they, are, they are almost into their house right now. 
uh, we're, we're finishing construction on it because uh, they were they applied, they were approved, and construction started. Um, so we helped them with basically their housing needs. Um, we provided the taxes for them free, and they got a free and decent refund, which was their down payment for their house. Um, but even even cooler was at the same time, Blimpy Corporate was running a promotion on uh, a smartphone app that they had. It was a game called Blimpy Run. And um, their 12-year-old son was one of a handful of national winners. So he won a $250 gift certificate from Blimpy um, uh, because because he won that 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 program, so we helped them with we helped them with their meals for the next year, uh, house and got their taxes done. <laughs> <laughs> One stop shop. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love that, Bobby. Now, I, I love that you've really shared stories with us today, and I think you know again just kind of illustrates you. We've illustrated in our conversation today just the importance of of sharing stories because I know the stories you've shared have resonated with me very deeply at a, at a personal level, and I'm sure they will with my listeners. And then that, again, is just an example of how powerful these stories can be in terms of what we're doing with our organizations. And it seems like they've been extremely effective for you all as well in terms of just sharing the stories, even in the, the blimpy shop. Yeah. And I, I love the, the, the ways and just the practical ways you've told us you know, how we could go about doing that. And I think that's, that message is really important. There are a couple of messages that, 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 that are, are very important about that for my listeners. Number one, pay attention for those opportunities. So, you know, we talked, Bobby and I talked at the beginning about the opportunities that he saw. You know, he, <laughs> I love that he's a snoop, so he followed those students and <laughs> figured out, you know, what were their needs and then figured out how he could, could meet those, you know, the resources, the tools that his organization had to, to meet those needs. And so, you know, keeping your eyes open for those opportunities, I think, is, is, is huge and something that, that, you know, we need to do because they are around and, you know, it just maybe takes following a student in their car and seeing where they eat lunch to figure it out right. uh, is, is, is one thing. Um, you know, the, the other thing, though, at a kind of more practical level, just the little opportunities you found in the store itself to share your story, you know, always reserving that space to share that story, the tabletops, just these little subtle things that it sounds have made a, a huge difference and a huge impact for you all in terms of getting connected with the community. So right. love those messages. I, I, I have... Some huge takeaways from that. I'm sure my audience will as, as well. So we've got some great insight on, on the organization. And like I said, I'm, I'm actually really glad I shifted my format around a little bit because I've, I've loved just unpacking this whole story and, and the mechanics of, of what you all have been up to. We've talked a lot, Bobby, about the successes you all have had. We've had some great stories, some great tools, that kind of thing. But any organization, especially as you're developing a hybrid partnership like this, will be marked with successes and setbacks. So you've taken us to some great stories of some successes. Can you take us now to a specific story, one specific story of a, a major setback you had with this hybrid arrangement and how you recovered from it? Um... Well, we really haven't had a, but, you know, the, the, there's all kinds of potential uh, setbacks that could occur. Uh, the, the major one being, um, you know, somebody sips and falls at the restaurant or, or chokes uh, on, on their meal and decides to sue us. And they, they break the veil between the two for-profit organizations and gets to the nonprofit. Um, that, that's a potential that, that has not occurred, and, and our lawyers say that's going to be tough for them to do, but that's always out there, and that's a risk that we're, we're taking. 
The other risk, of course, is that uh, we start making a lot of money and um, and the IRS starts looking at it a little closer and maybe says, well, it's not uh, it's not uh, exactly the way it should be set up and, you know, you need to do something different or, and somehow jeopardizes our 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 501c3 designation. That, that's another potential risk that's out there. I think the only the only thing that has really happened that that was unexpected and, and is kind of a, a downer, so to speak, is that um, you know one our projections were off on their expenses, so so the the revenue hasn't been there like we were anticipating, um, and, and we had some unusual expenses as well, uh, you know. Uh, uh, one of the examples uh, of of unfortunate situations is we went through three different coolers, the, the refrigerators, uh, because the the compressor went out and they couldn't find a compressor. And then they found one, but it was two days later, and where to restore our 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 product? And um, and then they, they brought one in, and that one went out. So we were on our on our third or fourth. Uh, cooler in a week, and um, we had to we had to you know take a loss on some of that stuff too, right? some of the product that's that spoiled. Um, we had the city of the city of Westlake had a major crisis with their water system, and they actually shut off the water for uh, for a, a day essentially, and so we had to shut down because we can't function without without water, and and so things like that have occurred, but nothing significant as I mentioned up up front that. IRS and, and the, uh, the break in the veil of, between the nonprofit, those have not occurred, and let's, let's hope they don't. But that's always a risk uh, in, in this business, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the message there, too, that, that I'm hearing is just this idea of expecting the unexpected. It sounds like you all have done a very good job of having the pieces in place that you would need in place for those things to happen. You know, you've anticipated there might be some IRS issues down the road, but you know you have a team in place who you can talk to, mentors, guides you can lean on to really walk you through that. And so I think that's that's the biggest message there to to me is, you know, having those, expecting the unexpected and just having the pieces in place to where you can, can respond to what's happening. So, yeah, yeah, great message. Well, th- this has been terrific. I, like I said, I, I've loved just un- unpacking what you all have been up to. I mean, I loved the story from the first day I read it in Entrepreneur Magazine, and I'm just, I'm really ecstatic to to hear kind of the full story on it and, and to just get to know you, Bobby, because I, I just think this is really incredible what you're doing and I think could be a model for a lot of, of other organizations out there. And so I'll, I'll do what I can to share your story and hopefully inspire others to do do something along the lines of what you all are up to there, you know, provided that it, it fits them. And I think that's, that's a big key message today. Right. Make sure that it fits you as an organization. You guys had some very unique skill sets that tied in with this, I think, perfectly. Right. And that's that's a key piece. You know, you need to find the key skill sets that your organization has that tie into this kind of a hybrid relationship. So right. really, really important. Well, great. Well, that kind of ties up the, the pieces chatting about the overall uh, components of, of the hybrid relationship and just what you all have been up to over there. I want to move into my last uh, quick section here, and it's, it's my favorite piece. I call it the Blitz because it gives me a chance to just throw a lot of quick one-off questions at you and just have you share some good insight uh, and tools that you're using for my audience. So you ready to rock on this, Bobby? Sure. Okay, sounds good. Well, the, the question I usually start off with, but I, I, I'm glad I changed my format up a little bit because I loved digging into the business like we did. But the question I usually start off with, I, I personally, I'm, I'm a quote junkie, and we here at Change Nation, we're all about quotes. So do you have an inspirational quote or mantra that drives what you do? 
Um, well, there's a there's a couple of them. Um, uh, for example, as it relates to the nonprofit world, and that's kind of what the focus is. One of the things that, and I don't remember where I read it, but there's there's a there's a this quote by somebody, some uh, smart person, <laughs> who says that the five one c three is an IRS designation. It's not a business plan, and, and that's the kind of the idea that we followed with this thing that we have to run run our organization as a business with a with a dual mission as opposed to just a bottom line. Yeah, that's that's huge. 501c3 is just a designation. It's not a business plan. I think that's huge for anyone listening. Like I said, I have a lot of folks I know listening who who are in the, the nonprofit field, and I think that attitude and that mentality is, is so important, especially if you're going to pursue a hybrid relationship like this. Right. So, yeah, great, great insight right there. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, I think uh, probably um, don't accept no. For an answer, um, and the, this Blimpy was a perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was something that that came through loud and clear about you, Bobby, from really the first minute I was reading that entrepreneur article. In fact, I think they might have even mentioned that about you in there was that you really didn't take no for an answer. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it talked about you calling all those different franchises and they were like, what? Like, you know, just didn't understand it, didn't, didn't want anything to do with it, it sounded like, but, you know, you knew, and I, I think that there's a key point here too, when you know that you have a a solid idea. You know that you have something that is important and that you believe in and that your heart is completely behind. You got to keep pushing because there there is a light at the end of the tunnel there and you know you've heard all different kinds of variations of this it takes seven no's to get to a yes, you know, yeah. whatever it is, but the, the the point is when you know you're on to that thing, you've got to stick with it because that yes is just around the corner and and Bobby, you you definitely sound like somebody who who really embraces that. So I, I love that piece of your story. Great stuff. So, let's see here. What's the uh what's the best book you've ever read? Um, there was and actually the, the the one I just wrote, and it's it's kind of a personal story. But my brother is actually just became an author. He, my older brother, he uh, is is a one of the smartest people that I know, and um, very passionate about his work. He's a lawyer, CPA, but he wrote a book about real man pray the rosary, and it, he's actually founded a nonprofit um, organization that. That whose whose mission is to uh, to get the word out about um, Catholic man praying the rosary, and it's not just Catholic, but man praying pray the rosary. So the name of the book is Real Man Praying the Rosary, and David Gavio is the author, and I'm very proud of proud of him and that that and that book. Terrific. Well, and Change Nation, as you know, I will put uh, write down the name of that book and everything in the show notes page in case you're listening in your car or something like that right now. You'll have that to click back on. But I, I love that. That's the uh, first time I've had kind of a, a very personal fam, family connection to a book. So that's, that's terrific. I'll definitely throw that in there. So what's a fun thing you do when social business gets you down, Bobby? What's a fun escape you have? Well, it, it, I was actually talking with somebody about that yesterday. Um, I have this habit of walking around. Um, we have our offices are kind of scattered uh, within the area, so I usually just go. I'll just walk around. I'll find somebody to sit down and talk with, and we'll just talk. Um, you know, the best part of, of running this organization, as complex and, and as, as diverse as it is, 
is we also have very complex and diverse people. And, and so getting to know our employees and, and the people that I work with is fun and, and really just having fun with them, talking. One of the things we try to do twice a year is we have what we call a fun day. And so we'll just close the offices and we'll get away for a little while, play games, just have fun, just interact. That's, that's the best part for me is just having fun with our, with, with our employees. Yeah, yeah, embracing fun and embracing conversations. That, that's something, I, you know, I've worked in both the nonprofit and the for-profit space, and, and that's something I really feel like, not to say there aren't for-profits that do it well, but I feel like we really are good at that in the nonprofit space is, is knowing how to keep this community built up and keep those conversations going and keep the fun alive yeah. has generally been my experience with a lot of different organizations I've, I've worked with. So, yeah, embracing fun and embracing conversations I think is, is hugely important. Yeah. So last question for you in the Blitz section. The first thing that everyone can start doing right now to change the world. Um. Well, tying it back to to the the apostolate that my brother started, the nonprofit that my brother started, is I think praying. You know, um, there's a lot of negative things in the world, a lot of uh, evil things that are happening, and I think if we all just kind of get together and pray and and um, you know have positive vibes about the community that we live in, I think it would be a better place if we just if we really focus on it. Terrific stuff. Well, Bobby, before I close this out, I want to just give you the, the last word here and I want to give you just the chance to share any final insights you'd like to share with my audience and then just lastly let them know the best way to link back up with you and, and your organization. Well, I, I think as it relates to, to the Blimpy franchise, I've had a, a few friends ask me, well, what, what, what would you recommend that we do if we're considering this? And and, and the first thing I, I, I tell people is really I think it's, if it's, if it's beyond the scope of what you can do in-house, then don't do it. Um, you know, hiring a lawyer to get this done, hiring a CPA is not going to work. Hiring a construction company to do it, then the, the management of the, of the equipment and all that stuff, it, it's not going to work. If you can't do it in-house, don't do it. Um, and if by chance there's, a, there's one component that you're uncomfortable with, then hire a consultant who knows what they're doing. You know, us, those of us in the nonprofit world know that consultants are all over the place, um, and and um, there's many of them that are available that can help folks um, get into the to the social ventures, um, and, and that's that's important. Um, the other thing I think is it's important is is uh, make sure that the organization has the capacity to undertake it. Um, I think you know our accounting folks, for example, we had some excess capacity. They don't want me to. They probably don't want me to say that, but I, they do. <laughs> and um, so they could help us with the accounting for the for the franchise. Um, and I think the other thing, the final thing, is finding the right partner. In our case, Blimpy was the perfect partner. Um, uh, Subway wouldn't have been. Quiznos, uh, Jimmy John's, those other guys would not have been as receptive as Blimpy was and have been. Um, so I think finding the right partner is, is the key as well. Yeah, I, and I, I think you've, you've really just summed it up there, the really important lessons and messages that, that you've you've shared with us throughout uh, this interview, this, this idea of making sure it fits you, fits your organization, making sure it ties into your mission, and that you have the practical tools in-house to undertake this, I think are just the, the huge, huge takeaways. Well, Bobby, I, I, I 
I can't thank, we can't thank you enough for your, your generosity here with your time, your insight. I, I know, like I said, I personally will be chewing on a lot of the insight you've thrown out here uh, for quite a while. I know my audience will as well because this, this hybrid idea is, is something that's growing. So again, just, just want to thank you for being so open and, and honest with that. I will do everything I can to make sure it inspires a, a lot of folks within Change Nation uh, doing this kind of work in their communities. So thank you again. Uh, we, we salute you and Change Nation. I will catch you on the flip side. Well, hey, thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, if you liked this interview, if you've listened this far, we want you to be a part of our community at Social Change Nation. So come over and visit us at socialchangenation.com. Sign on. We will give you a free e-guide, the 10 keys for building a successful cause-based business. These are lessons we've learned from our interviews with social entrepreneurs all over the world. We'd love to have you as a change agent in Social Change Nation. Until next time.